Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys, I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. Hello, everyone. Hello. Lainey, you old chap, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and anybody else like me, you listen to an accent and then you just start talking in that accent? I do fancy a, a good accent for Peter. For Peter? I'm repeating the accent you listen to. Oh, yeah. Literally, I hate myself sometimes because I'll just start mimicking an accent that I hear, but I do it in a very parody, parrot kind of way. Or like, I don't mean to be mimicking somebody. Well, that's not like the time when I worked in retail at Tootsie's and the British lady was talking to me and I repeated back to her in British. And I was so embarrassed because she was like, Hi, I'm here to pick up you know, so-and-so's laundry from the tilly. I was like, oh, okay, I'll be right back with it. And I just just, like went behind the wall and I was like, oh my God, I can't bring her her clothes. I have to give them to somebody else. I need to die now. (laughs) I have done the exact same thing. I had a very flamboyant male student and I was, I I would respond back to him very flamboyantly. And I'm like, what are you doing? You sound like you're making fun of him. And I wasn't, (laughs) it was just like, it's like a weird reflex. Like, do do we have it in our genetics? Like we need to camouflage with people. So let me just start talking like them. Maybe (laughs) so. That's so embarrassing. So anyway, today our story takes us to the countryside of England. Yay. Uh, Specifically, we're in Northshire, which is is four hours north of London. I thought you were going to say it in a whole British accent. No, I'm fighting to not, I'm fighting to not do that. Okay. okay? I don't want to do that. People will turn it off and just be like this girl. They're not even good accents. I don't, I don't mean, I don't think, but (laughs) I just, I hate myself for repeating that. But like I talk about Outlander all the time. I will start talking in a Scottish accent. Oh my God, I'm dead. I will start (laughs) speaking in a Scottish accent accent or even just using like Gaelic words to Casey. Yeah. He's like, okay, so you've been watching Outlander. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, like it just rubs off on me. So weird. So this story caught my attention one day because Casey and I, we have like, whenever the kids go to bed, we sit and we like just chat quietly for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we get into just weird conversations, but we start talking about my fear of the deep ocean. And y'all know I love horror movies, but some of the scariest movies to me, which might be stupid to other people, is like 47 meters down. Like yeah. that movie really freaked me out. And there's specifically a scene where she's going over a giant trench mm-hmm. and it's like black underneath her. Mm-hmm. Like that gives me the deepest anxiety the the one that gives me anxiety is the Kristen stewart one where she's like deep 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 down and oh yeah it it like implodes yeah that movie scares the shit out of me yeah well yeah that and i was watching uh the meg 2 the other day and they're going Mm -hmm. into the oh my god what's that trench called the deepest trench i can't think of it but i know what you're oh my god that's so annoying the okay you know the meg trench the meg trench (laughs) the the mara the the deepest trench let me just look it up mariana trench Woo. 
Oh, I was thinking mariachi, but I didn't want to so say close. it. <laughs> so close with mariachi trench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I can't. I can't with that. I get dizzy even watching that. So if you didn't know, that is a real phobia called thalassophobia. Thalassophobia. It's a fear um, of trenches? No, it's the intense fear of deep bodies of water. Oh, which I, that doesn't even sound familiar to me. Well, probably no one really talks about it. And it's not like, I mean, it's not like a daily issue that somebody with that fear would have. Like, I'm not having to go into the deep ocean every day of my life. Yeah. Well, that um, would suck for you if you did. Right. Exactly. So it's not a phobia that I think a lot of people have to face their fear all the time. But I've realized over the years that that fear for me has been growing. And like watching those movies, I, I like, it's just sitting with me in a whole other way now. So I was looking up thalassophobia and it had a bunch of pictures that would really freak out people like me. But I was just kind of torturing myself and like, what does freak me out about the deep ocean? So I'm like looking at different pictures pictures and several of them I would like quickly turn away but then there was this one that was a creek and I was like what is wrong with this so then I have to click on it and it looked like the most harmless creek and I was like why is this photo even in the group so I decided to do a little research on this creek and holy shit this creek is fascinating um it is said to have a 100% fatality rate if you fall in so this is the Bolton Strid in North Shore England okay so before we get started people don't don't swim here. So stories well, are hard to hundred percent fatality. Rate. Right, exactly. So it's not like there's a ton of stories. Stories are hard to come by. So this is not going to be a particularly long one, but nevertheless, one of Earth's mysterious landscapes. And because I had never heard of it, again, I'm just like, you know what? I think this should be an episode because I there were some stories. Mm-hmm. So the River Wharf uh, runs through the Yorkshire region. Uh, the river is beautiful and ideal for romantic walks. The River Wharf is about. 65 miles long, but along this river is a very deadly section known as the Bolton Strid, located by the Bolton Abbey, which is how it got its name, Bolton Strid. The Abbey is a beautiful space that has attracted many visitors. Uh, The Abbey is from the 12th century. Uh, This Abbey, in all of its beauty, has a deadly secret. Supposedly, the world's most dangerous strip of water runs on its property. So the strip of water is only about six feet wide, but about 27 feet deep, and it looks like a mountain stream and we live in flatland Texas but I always thought of mountain streams as pretty shallow so I think what I had read I didn't write it down but I think 27 feet is about two double-decker buses okay so it's obviously not like the deepest thing in the world but deep for what should just be a mountain stream Mm -hmm. so like I said according to the locals there's a hundred percent fatality rate if you fall in at least nobody has ever gone in and come out to tell the tale so what you see on the surface is really an illusion the strid is really a fascinating geological formation where the river is suddenly squeezed, resulting in the water moving faster and faster, thrashing side to side and up and down, causing whirlpools. And under the surface is a network of caves and tunnels. So the depth we may not actually know like how deep it can go because of all these networks of tunnels and caves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But once somebody falls in, it's a very powerful undercurrent that sucks you into the underwater caves and tunnels. And most bodies are never found because they likely get trapped in these networks of tunnels, which is why they say it is certain death if you fall in. I think I have heard of this. Really? So the creek, unknowingly from the surface, has a lot of twists and turns. And the rocks get more and more slippery the closer you get to the creek. So 
those who visited are cautioned to not go anywhere near the edge. And the sign that approaching visitors will see reads, the strid is dangerous and has claimed lives in the past. Please stand well back and beware of slippery rocks. So is there like a fence around it or just a, a sign? Just a sign. Okay. The first known to be taken by the strid is that of William de Romley. William was the son of Lady Alice de Romley. One day in 1152, so almost 900 years ago, he was playing around the creek and attempted to jump over it and he slipped and fell in. The strid quickly claimed his life. Lady Alice, distraught after his death and wanting his soul saved, donated the land to monks. And this is how Bolton Abbey came to be in the 12th century. Every day his soul was his soul was prayed for. And the abbey still stands today, but it's more in ruins. William was immortalized in a poem called The Force of Prayer by William Woodsworth in 1896. So I'm going to read some sections of the poem, uh, but it will be linked in the notes so that everybody can read the poem. Okay. So what is good for bootless being? The falconer to the lady said, and she made answer endless sorrow, for she knew her son was dead. She knew by the falconer's words and from the look of the falconer's eye and from the love which was in her soul, her youthful Romley. Young Romley through Barden Woods is ranging high and low and holds a greyhound in a leash and lets slip upon buck or doe. The pair have reached the fearful chasm who tempting to bestride for lordly wharf is the pent in with rocks on either side. The striding place is called the strid, a name which it took of yore. A thousand years hath it borne that name and shall a thousand more. A hither is young Romley come and what may now forbid that he perhaps for the hundredth time shall bound across the strid. He sprang in glee for what cared he. The river was strong and the rocks were steep but the greyhound in the leash hung back and checked him in his leap. The boy in the arms of the wharf and strangled by a merciless force for never more was young Romley seen till he rose a lifeless course. Now there's a stillness in the vale and long upspeaking sorrow. Wharf shall be pitting hearts a name more sad than Yarrow. If for a lover the lady wept a solace she might borrow from death and from the passion of death old wharf might heal her sorrow. Long long in darkness did she sit and her first words were let there be in Bolton on the field of wharf a stately priory which is the abbey now. Mm-hmm. Oh there is never sorrow of heart that shall lack a timely end if but to God we turn and ask of him to be our friend. So the poem is focused more on the mother finding out that her child has died and in dealing with the loss where she ultimately donates the land. So the strid started as a very sad story. Well, I think it's interesting. Well, I think well, it's sad, yes, but <sighs> Yarrow, I mean, you're just trying to rhyme words and you made up a word. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it's made up. What is yarrow? I mean, my only knowledge on yarrow is that it, it's an herb, and it's an herb I have in a jar. I do use it. All right. Um, but nothing else. I don't know. What's yarrow? What do you use it for? Uh, it's good for, like, immune health. What else? Of course, you're going to put me on the spot, and I'm going to feel really stupid. We can move past it. It's fine. Well, it's a good plant. Uh, stomach, digestion, muscles, uterus, menstrual cramps. Nice. Yeah. Need that. Yeah. Yeah. I've made you that tea. It may have had yarrow in it. Okay. Um, yeah. I put it in a lot of stuff and like, even when I'm making, sorry, this is obviously neither here nor there. Whenever I'm making like broths and stuff, I'll put in like echinacea and yarrow and stuff like that. Cause they're not super flavorful, but they're super powerful. So, so did he use the word yarrow in the poem just still to just rhyme with sorrow? I'm sure I, okay. <laughs> I am terrible at poems and understanding poems. Like most of this made sense to me. That just stuck out to me. I'm but sorry. Is, <laughs> it, I mean, obviously you're trying to 
to rhyme sorrow and yarrow. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what's going on. I don't think somebody's name is yarrow. So I can only imagine he's talking about the plant. Okay. So continuing on, the Strid has taken many lives that we don't know about due to the fact that people get sucked into the underwater caves and tunnels. But we do know some of the lives lost. So Arthur Reginald Smith was born 1871. He had been a student at the Royal College of Art in London and awarded a full scholarship allowing him to travel to Italy to study art for a year. Oh, how nice. So I know. Arthur even became a teacher to educate other students pursuing a career in art. He served in World War One, and upon his return, he mostly used watercolors to paint landscapes. He'd even commit, he was even commissioned by Buckingham Palace, so he must have been pretty good. Yeah. One day in 1934, at the age of 63, oh, I put 63 years young, but then I was about to read it, young Arthur. So anyway, <laughs> he was 63 years old. Arthur went to River Wharf to paint the Strid. Uh, he was absolutely fascinated by its beauty, and it is very pretty. That night, he never returned home. So once his absence was noticed, the authorities were alerted. They knew that he had gone to the Strid to paint. They went and they found no Arthur, but they did find his easel and paint bag on the rock near the narrowest point of the river. And that near narrow point is where people tend to hop over it thinking it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they dragged the river, which in case you don't know what that means, they use nets and other tools to try and pull things out. So they're essentially looking for his body since they found his things. No body was found from dragging the river. The next day, his tweed hat was found downstream about half a mile from where he had been painting. So the authorities brought on a water diver that had been used in finding missing bodies in water before. Uh, What's interesting is he obviously wasn't going to go dive into the Deadly Creek, uh, but he did say that he felt energy from the belongings of the missing person. Hmm. So after he had stood at the narrowest point from where Arthur's easel and painting bag were found, he walked down about 50 yards and pointed to a spot and said to the police, I am sure his body is there. The diver had been holding Arthur's hat when searching for him and he felt the energy drop in his hand when he pointed to that spot. So the police then dragged the water again and on the 11th day of searching for Arthur, they found his submerged body wedged against rocks in the Strid. So what was assumed is that when he was painting the Strid, he tried jumping over that narrow portion of the body of water, which again looks very unassuming to most people. So at the age of 63, the Strid took another. After his funeral, he was cremated and his ashes were scattered at the river, which he loved. But then I feel like if a river took me, do I want to be? Do I want my ashes spread there? I I think it depends on the person. Like maybe he was that he he was taken too soon, but taken by the thing he loves. So yeah. So do you want to be there for the rest of your life? I mean, maybe this is really just like a question for just to put out there. Yeah, There's not really an to answer be to this. The, the headspace to you know like if that, we don't feel that way, so we're not <laughs> gonna want to be buried there. So yeah, yeah. It's a little hard to answer. So one description of the river that I thought was a pretty detailed description. Yorkshire Strid looks shallow from the surface, but underneath is a vast network of caves and crevices of sedimentary rock that will rip apart a human body smashed against them in seconds. Rather than carving a stately way through silt, the Strid twists and turns through flat and overhanging rocks falling over the edge of the limestone formation. Vortices in the flow will trap bodies under the water close to the bed or on the sides, whilst the turbulence will render someone unconscious very quickly. So that was a quote I pulled from uh, allthingsinteresting.com. So let's move on to some other sad stories of the Strid, shall we? Yeah, this is a really uplifting episode. Super. I know. How was I supposed to talk about this without not, without like, 
going through these stories. I don't know. Well, there's not a happy one. or There's not, there's not a happy alive. one. It's well. just this unassuming looking creek coming from a mountaintop that you're just like, oh, this is nice. But like, holy crap. It's, yeah, it, it's got some stories. It looks beautiful. Like, I want to go here. Yeah. But yeah. Don't go hopping over it. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's so funny that you say like, don't hop over it because they're like, don't even jump over it. You're going to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you will well, die. And it's, the rocks are so slippery. So even though I think the narrowest point is only about six feet apart, a lot of people will be like, that's not a big deal. You can easily jump six feet. But the rocks are so slippery that people jump and they just slip in. So just don't do it. Yeah. Because the consequences are not like, oh, I scratched myself. It's I'm dead. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it sounds like a, you're going to die a pretty grotesque death. Yeah. And, and most people don't go like play around here. Like it gets thousands of visitors like the Abbey does anyway. So then people go like see the Strid as well. Mm-hmm. And most people don't go and play. So it doesn't have like deaths every single year, which maybe that's why they've not put up a fence around it because it's not like so common. Yeah. So nine days after their wedding in August 1998, Lynn and Barry Collette were honeymooning in Yorkshire. Oh no, a married couple. Yes. Lynn was a nurse and she was 25 years old and Barry was a computer operator at 29 years old, which by the way, 1998 computer operator sounds like the Vegas job if that was somebody today. Uh, yeah. Just, sorry, I'm just putting the time period to it. That compu- If somebody was like, I'm a computer operator, I'd be like, we're all computer operators. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's very uh, a dated yes. job, I guess. Uh, so the couple left their cottage to go on a romantic walk along the river wharf. Suddenly, a heavy rainstorm started coming down. Now, they may have known the dangers of the Strid, but they did not know how quickly it could flood. So there was an eyewitness to the event, but what he saw had happened so quickly. So Desmond Thomas was the eyewitness. He said, the level, speed, and turbulence of the water looked like flood water. It rose in a matter of feet and seconds. I went to the water's edge, and just as I got there, I saw a man's body, who I now know to be Barry, pop out of the water. The face popped up towards me, and within a matter of seconds, it disappeared. So the water there, which they may not have known, could rise in five feet in one minute. Wow. So if you were hanging around during a heavy rainstorm for even a minute, it could go up five feet. So it can be very significant and obviously take people. Yeah. And so locals had seen this happen many times, but of course this is a honeymooning couple. They're not specifically local to this area. So what we know is the couple was quickly taken by the floodwaters and sucked into the Strid. So Lynn wasn't found until about six days after the flood event. The key to their cottage was still in her pocket. When they went to the cottage, they found all their wedding presents and a tear of the wedding cake was left behind in the cottage. Barry was not found until October. So about two months later, and he was 10 miles downstream. So he was found. Both of them ended up being found, yes. Okay. So the eyewitness saw Barry get drowned, and then his body wasn't found for two months later, and then it was 10 miles away. So the couple was buried together in Hampshire, where they had been married. Mm -hmm. So there is an accident more recent than the Colettes. This is little Aaron Page. In 2010, Aaron was celebrating his eighth birthday at a family picnic. Sorry. (laughs) 
I know. Ooh. No, it's it's horrible. Aaron was celebrating his eighth birthday at a family picnic along the River Wharf. They were not specifically at the Strid, but they also didn't really know that this portion of the river would quickly lead to the Strid. And even with all the well-known accidents in the area, there are stepping stones across a calm-looking portion of the water. Uh-huh. Stepping stones are pretty inviting, especially to children who, like, I'm bored, I want to go, yeah. go cross it. So I don't think there's a sign there. The parents didn't think anything of it. So Aaron, again, eight years old, and his brother Josh, 13 years old, were hopping the stepping stones to go across the water. Both boys fell in the water. Josh quickly emerged safely, but Aaron never came out, and nobody knew how dangerous the water was. Again, because it wasn't the Strid, which is the deadly portion, but apparently still dangerous enough to pull the boy in. Aaron was found drowned three hours later. So sad. So the Strid has taken many lives and many of them never resurface. With the rock formation and network of tunnels and caves, many have been taken forever, never to be seen again. There's a legend that for each time the Strid claims a life, the ghost of a white horse appears galloping from the abbey to the Strid. Interesting. And I like this sort of ending quote from from All Things Interesting. One thing about the Bolton Strid is for sure. Its calm, quiet appearance belies its raging, deadly underbelly. So the underbelly. That's it for the the strid. I do have an arbitrary anecdote related to the property. So today our arbitrary anecdote pertains to Bolton Abbey. One of the well-known ghosts of the abbey is that of a monk they call Black Cannon. So the abbey, like we said earlier, was donated to monks in the 12th century. King Henry VIII, after his falling out with the church, he dissolved many of the monasteries according to his dissolution of monasteries of 1539. Mm-hmm. So basically the monks went out of business. Black Cannon died shortly after the monasteries were dissolved. His soul could not rest and apparently still hasn't. He is known to be a gentleman in his late 60s with a very wrinkled face. He wears a black cassock, which is that large clergy clergy outfit. I Mm -hmm. think that's how you pronounce it. And a black cloak. Doesn't sound like he is an evil ghost or anything like that, that he is just a soul that cannot be put to rest. People say they can hear him walking around, sometimes heavy breathing, but they can also smell the incense that he burned when walking through the now ruins of the abbey. So if you look at the abbey today, it is a beautiful ruin. There is no longer a roof, so the structure is not enclosed anymore, which probably makes hearing any kind of paranormal activity that much more difficult. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that is it for the Bolton Strid. Hope you guys kind of enjoyed, not kind of, I hope you did enjoy this impromptu episode. I literally stumbled across this body of water while I was scrolling through my fear of the deep ocean and was like, whoa, I have to talk about this. (laughs) So you're here listening to my findings. We have received episode suggestions. Thank you guys so much. Please know that those are coming soon. Ohio, you're coming up. Riverside, California, we've got you. Uh, Hang tight as we have been playing catch up. But if you guys are feeling generous, we have a Venmo at Haunted RE. If you send us a Venmo, please make sure to leave us a property you'd like us to cover or tell us where you're from and we will find something. If you want to send us a recommendation or an interesting real estate story, you can also email us at hauntedrepod at gmail.com. And if you have not already, go follow us on Instagram at haunted.real.estate. And please, please, please go rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. This helps us get more listeners like you. Anything you would like to say Lenny? Thank you. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, we appreciate you all. I love you so much. And yeah, thank you. Have a good day.